You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. That's it. You're madder than a junkyard dog, and you're not going to take it anymore. Your feathers are ruffled, your dander's up, and you've got a definite bone to pick. Welcome to Pet Peeves, the show that lets you dig through the dirt and unleash your passion for pets. Why let sleeping dogs lie when you can take the bull by the horns and let the fur fly? So get your claws out and get ready to rattle some cages on Pet Peeves with your host, pet expert, and award-winning author, Amy Shoja. Hey there, and welcome to Pet Peeps on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Amy Shurjai, and today we're talking about cloning pets. Now, fasten your seatbelts, folks, for my rant of the week. Mention of cloning conjures images of science fiction B-movies, mad scientists, and experiments gone awry. Couple the term with man's best friend, and pet lovers will either howl with outrage maybe with delight. Now, who among us has not mourned the loss of a special companion animal friend and wished to replicate that dog or that cat, bring the magic back to life? If you could, would you bring Sparky back? (laughs) I would in a heartbeat. Yet there are so many unwanted needy pets without homes, filling our shelters, losing their lives. And, And listen, folks, cloning costs big bucks funds that most folks don't have. State-of-the-art medical care and science ain't cheap, but should it be available only for the wealthy? And even if you do have the means, shouldn't caring pet owners instead focus those funds on the shelter pets already here that need help? Well, frankly, I've heard that argument for years that my energy, my funds, my talents should be focused on the starving children somewhere else instead of just a pet. Yet nobody suggests that a golfer should give up his hobby or a family forego a vacation and spend on more politically correct endeavors. So today, I'm delighted to welcome Lou Hawthorne to the show. He is the CEO of BioArts International, a new biotech company near San Francisco focusing on unique markets in the genomics industry, including dog cloning. Now, BioArts holds the exclusive rights to clone dogs and cats under patents that were filed worldwide following the cloning of Dolly the Sheep in 1996 and through the bestfriendsagain.com website. They plan to sell five dog cloning service slots to the general public via a worldwide online auction. So, folks, come, sit, stay, and we'll be right back with questions and Lots of questions for Lou Hawthorne after these messages. Okay, time to call off the dogs. Pet Peeves will be back with more biting topics right after we kibble a little with our sponsors. Does your dog have problems walking with its back legs? If so, your dog is one of 58 million dogs that suffer with problems with its rear leg. Problems such as spinal myelopathy, arthritis, and hip dysplasia. Bottoms Up Leash helps your dog walk. It's a rear support harness that has won numerous awards, such as Dog Fancy's Editor's Choice Award, as Product of the Year, and it's been featured on CBS and Good Morning America. Visit the website www.seniorpetsupplies.com. 
Pick up something unique at a Bone to Pick dog boutique. A Bone to Pick has cool hip fashions for big and small dogs that will have their tails wagging in style. Cat products too. A-B-O-N-E-T-O-P-I-C-K.com. Check out our eco-friendly pet products and gifts for humans too. A-B-O-N-E-T-O-P-I-C-K.com. Get your pet's mouth watering monthly with our Gourmet Treat of the Month Club. And join a Bone to Pick's free birthday club for your puppy. A-B-O-N-E-T-O-P-I-C-K.com. Pick up something special for your best friend at a Bone to Pick. A-B-O-N-E-T-O-P-I-C-K.com. Get 10% off with coupon code PETLIFE. Having a rough day? Longing for the dog days of summer? Think your fun furry friend lives a dog's life? Well, find out everything you're begging to know as Pet Life Radio presents It's a Doggy Dog World with pet expert and award-winning author Liz Palaika. Every dog has his day, and you'll find out how to make your dog's day fun and rewarding every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. We know you're foaming at the mouth to get back to pet peeves. So here's Amy with some more tail-tying, fur-flying fun. Welcome back to Pet Peeves on Pet Life Radio. We're talking with Lou Hawthorne of BioArts about cloning, how he got interested, the ethical questions he struggled with, and... What BioArts and Best Friends Again hopes to accomplish. Welcome to the show, Lou. I'm glad to have you. It's nice to be here. And I thought your rant was very thoughtful. (laughs) Well, I do tend to go off the deep end sometimes, but there's a lot of things that have to do with cloning that there aren't any clear answers. And before we get into the nitty-gritty, though, I always like to ask my guests, Tell us a little bit about yourself. What what pets do you currently have? And I have a feeling that's going to lead us right into some other questions. Well, she's sitting right here. She's a little upset. There's some strange new dog in the neighborhood that's barking, and she doesn't remember authorizing that. It's Mira, <laughs> who's the clone of my family dog, Missy, who died in 2002 at the age of 15. Mira is only six months old, but she is indeed a clone She's looking at me right now with the same soulful eyes and spark of intelligence, and uh, I'm stroking the exact same mink-soft fur, and uh, I'm just just waiting for her to do some sort of prank, which is what Missy always used to do. (laughs) So tell us how you became interested in the cloning of dogs. I know the Missy Plicity Project back in 1998 at Texas A&M was kind of kicked off with with a grant at that time from an anonymous donor. Was that you? It was um, a family friend, and uh, he had um, a special interest in, in Missy. Prior to um, the Missy Plicity Project beginning, I was doing technology work in the Silicon Valley and had nothing to do with cloning. I was producing interactive media, designing high-tech facilities, stuff like that. And uh, one morning, not too long after Dolly was cloned, my family was sitting around the breakfast table with Dolly the sheep all over the newspaper. And we said, let's clone Missy. She's worth it. She's wonderful. She's a wonderful dog. Of course, we had no idea what it would cost. We figured 
we figured that it would, would be simple now that Dolly had been cloned. Sure. And that began a process I thought was just going to take a couple of weeks of looking into who was out there and um, who had the expertise. Quickly, we found out that nobody had the expertise because dogs have unique reproductive physiology compared with other mammals and that it was going to be a very long and expensive process. And that's when our friend stepped in and said, well, I'm interested. I'm interested both because Missy's an amazing dog and because I think there might be a business here. Cool. What about Missy? Why, is, why was Missy so special? Why is Mira so special? Of course, we all think our own pets are, are wonderful, but what was it about Missy that was so unique that, that sparked this interest? Well, this project has taught me that one of the many paradoxes that permeate this world is that millions of people think their dogs are one in a million. And, um, and they all begin their defense by saying, but mine really is. So <laughs> I think Missy really was one in a million. And it was somewhat subjective and somewhat objective. We would walk down the street and people would stop, strangers, and say, that is a beautiful dog. May I, may I pet her? They'd pet her and talk about how how uh, soft she was. But you really had to spend time with her before you appreciated her truly remarkable qualities because it involved her intelligence. Um, her ability with language was really remarkable. Early in Missy's life, she learned hundreds of words, but by the end of her life, you just spoke to her like a person. She wouldn't necessarily obey. That's another thing <laughs> common to both Missy and Mira. They are very strong-willed, and I'm not, I'm not going to break her spirit. I like how strong-willed she is, and I like that in Missy. So we negotiate, um, and it's very familiar from what it was like having Missy in the family, the constant negotiation of her intelligence versus ours. Well, there are a lot of projects out there having to do with cloning. Of course, uh, Missy Plicity first, Dolly the Sheep, the Copycat Project. How is BioArts different? I know there are a lot of livestock applications plus the human medicine angle, but why is cloning so important and why is BioArts different? Well, our precursor company was Genetic Savings and Clone. Um, I ran that company as well, and we were involved in the simplicity. We also paid for the copycat project, which was the first cat cloning project. We did some commercial cat cloning. I think one of the differences is that we were a little naive about the technology and what it could accomplish in terms of price and quantity, throughput. Once we got into it and... We didn't really fully understand the limits of the technology as well as the capabilities until we'd been at it for several years. So I think the fundamental mistake that we made in the past was we overcommitted. We said, this is going to be a common technology, it's going to be inexpensive, and people, um, first of all, got very upset at the idea that it would be very common because then that amplified in their minds whatever paranoia they had about the implications of the technology. Secondly, a lot of our customers just sat on the fence waiting for the price to drop to some fantasy future price, even people with means. So we had all of the troubles of the big company, but none of the revenue. And in fact, we even had more orders than we could fulfill. So we ended up giving refunds for orders that people had placed simply because the technology wasn't refined enough to fulfill even the few orders we received. From a business standpoint, it's a worst-case scenario with one exception, which is it taught me a huge amount of the, about the challenges and opportunity of the pet cloning business. 
and all of the lessons have been incorporated into bioarts, number one being don't overcommit, which is why we're um, only offering to clone five dogs commercially with our partners in uh, Korea, the Suam Biotech Foundation. So we're 100% confident we can deliver perfect, we can fulfill five cloning dog cloning orders perfectly. Uh, and beyond that, we're going to wait and see. I know you mentioned everybody thinks they have that one in a million dog or that one in a million cat. So with cloning, it kind of begs the question, if the dog or the cat is replaceable, they're no longer one in a million. Is that going to devalue the, the specialness of having that one in a million? No, I, I actually think it just extends the paradox. Millions of people think their pet is one in a million, and if they clone it, the clone is one in a million too. So I don't claim that's logical. I just <laughs> feel that it's true from my experience. If anything, Mira is better than Missy. Um, our, if you think of the arc of your experience with an old dog um, or with a dog you have his or her whole life, they, you get them as puppies. They're, um, they have a lot of joy and um, they're exciting, but they have no control, no self-restraint, no wisdom, just like children, you know. Sure. Um, and as they grow, they go into the peak of their lives when they have um, youthful vigor. They start to have uh, understanding of the world around them and their role in your family. And then they head into their declining years, and they have even greater wisdom. But like a person, they also have a whole host of health problems they have to deal with. So when I got Mira, I knew what she was capable of. So I treated her with a great deal of, of respect and indulged, I indulged not, not indulged her, overindulged her, but I definitely focused on, on her. And at this point, at six months, she has enough understanding that she's out of that wild puppy phase, but she has a youthful vigor that Missy didn't have in, for several years prior to her death. Um, and, and one other key factor is different as well, which is that Missy was my mom's dog, and she loved me as uh, a peripheral adjunct to my mom. Okay. But Mira is my dog. She lives with me and first time any anyone has ever danced at the sight of me in the morning. morning. <laughs> so. I think that's uh that's one of the real positives of dogs. They don't care if your your breath is fresh or your socks are washed, they still love you for what you are. In fact I think they prefer morning breath and dirty socks. <laughs> I think so. Well, how does cloning work? I mean, people have this vision of puppies being grown in a Petri dish. Now, actually, how is this done? Is this a surrogate mom dog or what? And I know you talked about the challenges, the physiological challenges of canine reproduction, even versus feline reproduction or humans. Yeah. So how, what are these challenges? How does, how does the process work? Well, dogs are the hardest of all species to clone. I do believe they'd be harder than humans. Um, and they're certainly harder than cats by a wide margin. Dog reproductive physiology doesn't follow the model of other mammals, so at least not exactly. So what you learn cloning other mammals doesn't translate into cloning dogs. You, in many respects, you have to start over from scratch. Dog cloning begins with taking a biopsy sample from the dog you want to clone, and it's a painless procedure done. It has to be done by a veterinarian under sterile conditions, but it's a pea-sized biopsy. 
that goes into a kit that we've developed that can transport the tissue to our labs. It's grown in culture, and then it can be cryopreserved, which is which means frozen in liquid nitrogen. And at that point, it can be uh, stored indefinitely. Um, the DNA that we cloned Mira from and her two sisters, I also have two other clones of Missy, that DNA was uh, almost 10 years old by the time we, it, it successfully resulted in Mira's birth. The second step after you have the DNA preserved is to obtain an egg from us, um, an, a donor that's in estrus or period of fertility. The donor has to be the same species. It has to be a dog's egg. And it also has to be at a very precise point in estrus. One of the differences about working with dogs that make them so challenging is that while other mammals go into estrus frequently, every two to six weeks, and predictably on a regular cycle, plus their estrus can be induced hormonally, that's not true for dogs. They go into estrus every six to 12 months, and it's basically random, and it can't be hormonally induced. So you just have to wait. You have to have a large enough network of breeders that you can get a dog in estrus when you need one, both as an egg donor and as an embryo recipient. We have a one- to two-hour window in that six- to 12-month period to get those eggs out. Oh, wow. And that's probably the single area where the Koreans... Um, managed to outperform the three different American teams we employed over a period of 10 years. They developed a method of um, timing the uh, ovulation. They, they used radioisotopes uh, on, on blood samples, not on the dogs, but they used radioisotopes to determine the exact moment of ovulation. And consequently, when they, when they removed eggs from the dogs, those eggs were perfect, whereas ours were not quite perfect. And perfect eggs make, are more likely to make perfect embryos. Um, so then comes the embryo production phase where you take those eggs, you enucleate them, which means you remove the nucleus. So you have egg machinery without the mother's DNA. Right. An, egg is, an egg is basically a machine for creating an embryo and delivering genetics, half the genetics into the embryo. The sperm delivers the other half. What we want is an enucleated egg, so it has the, the chemical machinery for making an embryo, but it doesn't have the mother's genetic contribution. And then into that enucleated egg, we put the cells that we uh, gene banked from the animal that we want to clone. There's a, then an electrochemical jump start to that um, couplet, that fused combination of, um, of the donor cells and the enucleated egg. And once you um, started dividing, at that point, it behaves just like a normal embryo. And you transfer it back into, into a recipient dog, which is a dog in estrus. And from that point on, it's a normal pregnancy. Once the pregnancy is established, it's completely normal. The gestation period is the same length, about 63 days. And if all goes well, it's born. We don't do cesarean sections. We believe that... Well, in general, if, if everything is done right up to that point, the birth will be natural, healthy, without any intervention. And then the weaning happens normally over 8 to 10 weeks. Then you have a perfectly normal puppy. doesn't levitate, doesn't glow, <laughs> just looks spookily like the original dog. We do need to take a station break here, but we have so much more to learn, so stick around. 
and find out how you can have your best friend again right after these messages from our sponsors. Okay, time to call off the dogs. Pet Peeves will be back with more biting topics right after we kibble a little with our sponsors. Welcome to Pet Planet. Here's a copy of Pet Planet Magazine, Florida's most informative and fun pet resource magazine. It features heartwarming stories and informative articles from local and national pet experts. Excellent. Pet Planet Magazine offers Operation Planet Rescue, helping rescued pets find new homes. And it's available at 500 locations in South and Central Florida and 24-7 on the Internet at PetPlanetMagazine.com. If you're out and about with your pet, you may be featured in paparazzi, candid pictures of you and your pet. For up-to-date pet-friendly events, activities, and pet-related services and products, Pet Planet Magazine is your final destination. I shall take this magazine home with me. Back to your home planet? No, to my condo in Boca. Pet Planet Magazine. Check them out at www.petplanetmagazine.com or 352-394-8578. It's out of this world. Fluff your feathers, roll out your tongue, shine your fins, snap on your leashes, and grab your human. It's the Louisville Pet Lovers Expo. Two full days of pet-tastic fun that no pet lover should miss. Join us for shopping, the Barks and Couture Fashion Show, Dream Pet Wedding, Ultimate Pet Makeover, Pet Communicator, Rescue Me Pet Adoption, Service Dog Demonstration, and tons of fun contests. Bring your pets and join us at the Louisville Pet Lovers Expo, Saturday, September 27th, and Sunday, September 28th, at the Kentucky Expo Center. For more information, go to LouisvillePetExpo.com. Want to know what cats like to eat for breakfast? Mice Krispies, of course. Learn everything there is to know about cats on Catitude with your host, Tom Dock. Each week, we'll spotlight a cool cat breed, give up-to-date advice on cat health, and check out spiffy new cat products. So curl up on the couch every week for a perfectly enjoyable time on Catitude. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. We know you're foaming at the mouth to get back to pet peeves. So here's Amy with some more tail-tying, fur-flying fun. We're back and speaking with Lou Hawthorne, the CEO of BioArts. The company has partnered with the, the SOAM Biotech Research Foundation in South Korea, which includes an experienced dog cloning team. Together, they're offering opportunities for you to clone your family dog. Welcome back, Lou. Thank you. Before the break, we were talking about the process, and we had just gotten up to the normal birth, and the puppy is brought up and and nurses and weaned just like any other puppy and does not glow in the dark, as you said. I did want to ask, though, I mean, reports of Dolly the cloned sheep indicated she aged more quickly. And I know with the um, copycat project, some of those kittens that were cloned, the pictures that I saw, they did not look that much like the mother. What are some 
potential differences with cloned pets? Are these all going to be identical twins of the dog of your life? Well, Cece, who was the world's first cat cloned, did not completely resemble her genetic donor, and that was a very, very dubious distinction for a cloning company to have produced a clone that did not resemble her donor. And as you might imagine, we did a lot of head-scratching after that. We found out that the problem was unique to calico cats. Cece's genetic donor was a calico. Calicos are a cellular mosaic of two different cell types, one that produces the orange and black cells and one that produces the orange and white cells or the white and black. One, One produces white and black, one produces orange and white. And if you pull a single cell from a calico, and clone from that, you are only going to get either an orange and white cat or a black and white cat. We got a black and white cat. It turns out that for all other breeds of cats and for all breeds of dogs that, that we know of, a single cell contains the entire genetic blueprint for that animal, including the coat color and pattern. So with Missy, for instance, when we cloned her, the resulting clones look identical to each other and identical to Missy, or as much similar as identical twins resemble each other. So I don't think that problem is going to recur, and that's why we offer a resemblance guarantee. If the client Ah. in our upcoming auction is dissatisfied with the physical resemblance on any level, they can get a full refund. So I don't think that problem is going to recur. We don't don't guarantee behavioral resemblance because it's so subjective, but I've been astonished in my own life with my own pet clones with how much that resemblance is there. It's there to such a great degree that I don't, I don't care whether it's there exactly. All of her best qualities are there in broad strokes. Enough of the quirky details are there as well that at this point I'm interested in just letting her unfold in her own way beyond that. Well, because I think even even with a a cloned dog or a cloned cat, they are their own people, their own individuals, and are you need to respect that as well. They're going to have some aspects and some experiences that the original uh, pet probably never have. And you know, we have that whole argument: uh, nature versus nurture. And for a lot of people, if they adopted a pet they may not have known what the animal's background was to begin with, what those experiences were. So, you know, how are you going to replicate that? Well, yeah, and you don't, you don't actually have to replicate it because, for one thing, you can never step in the same river twice. It's constantly changing. And I personally believe that with respect to my mom, who's a wonderful woman, I think I, um, I, ha- I have to believe that Mira and I can find our own unique destiny that's different and just as good, if not better, than what my mom and my family found with Missy. And so far, it's, it's great. Um, we have some special things we do together that are different than what Missy and my mom did. I think I'm maybe more physically active than my mom was toward the end of Missy's life. My mom's in her 80s now, so it, it's definitely a question of nature and nurture. The nature is certainly there, and I'm working on nurturing Mira in some of the old ways, such as lots of love and attention. That's a constant with any pet you have. And also just trying to figure out what um, new and special things Mira in particular might enjoy. Where are the other pets? Where are the other clones? The other clones of um, Missy are living with other members of my family who are (laughs) choosing to stay out of the spotlight. Um, But the (laughs) sisters, the clone sisters, see each other every couple days. They love each other and they also like to wrestle 
They, they, oh, fight, yeah. they fight sort of roughly, but um, it's all in it's all in fun. The other two are um, about half the size because they're two and a half months younger. So they gang up on Mira. Um, <laughs> they look, the coat patterns are exactly the same, but they're they're smaller, so they, they tend to double team Mira, and that's just fine. She loves it. You mentioned the health issue. When Dolly the sheep was first of all, Dolly the sheep died of a natural sheep virus. She was actually put down, but she did have a sheep virus. And she contracted that at, a, at an age when sheep normally some get this virus. So there was nothing in particular about the way Dolly lived or died that suggested premature aging. And in fact, that, that has been disproven. It was thought to be linked to a structure in the cells called telomeres, which shorten as an animal ages. The thinking at the time was that if you clone from an older animal, or even a middle-aged animal, you'll end up with uh, a newborn animal, a newborn clone, who is pre-programmed, whose lifespan begins at the age of the donor animal. That was shown to be false in a series of experiments. The length of the telomeres resets during the cloning process. So the lifespan of a cloned animal is as long as the lifespan of a natural animal, provided that the cloning is done correctly. What we have seen with older technologies is that there's a higher incidence of loss prior to about 30 days, but the animals that survive that period go on to live normal, healthy lives. Now with dogs, because their reproductive physiology, the reproductive system is so sensitive, that actually works in our favor. We see almost no miscarriage, nothing like what is seen in other species in cloning. And the reason is, unless an embryo, a cloned embryo in dogs is perfect, it doesn't implant in the first place. So we're getting ready to publish a scientific paper in the next couple of months in a major journal, the gist of which is that we see almost no miscarriages. And from fresh DNA, we have a better than 90% survival rate, which is pretty similar to breeders. And with Missy's case, it was slightly lower because the DNA was 10 years old. In other words, it was closer to about an 80% survival rate of the clones born. There are more clones in Korea of Missy that are too young to be delivered. So, But health, um, we offer a 100% health guarantee to the regarding the clones that we're going to be delivering to our clients. And I'm very confident we can do that based on the perfect health of um, the clones of Missy that I have in my life right now. Well, I wanted to ask you then, you know how long Missy lived and and how she died and what health challenges she may have faced. Does that give you a pause up, so to speak, on addressing these perhaps uh, earlier with Mira? Totally. I have all of Missy's old medical records, and um, I've stayed up late walking through them, talking to the vet about what does this mean, what does that mean, because I wasn't that involved in Missy's individual veterinary problems. It was my mom's responsibility. But I've gotten up to speed on it, and um, I know what she, you know, mostly it's things like fox, bur- you know, fox glove or fox tails in her nose and stuff that any, any active dog is going to get. But toward the end of her life, there were some specific conditions where the veterinarian tried several remedies before finding the one that worked. I know the one that worked. So when Missy uh-huh. reaches that point in her life, we're going to jump straight to the remedies that worked. And that is a pause up, as you put it. I, I like that. <laughs> How do you answer 
your detractors, and there are those out there that are totally opposed to cloning and, you know, the, all of the issues that I brought up in my rant. You know, there's lots of pets that need homes. Why are you bringing new ones into the world? All of those things, the issues of perhaps not having viable pups, uh, you know, the 80% chance. So how do you answer that? How do you come to uh, a good place in your own mind as far as the ethical choices people make uh, with dealing with animal issues? Well, I feel really good about the work I do. Um, first of all, we're only making, well, with Missy, we've made about five Missy clones. And for the general public, we're only going to make another five Missy clones. That's smaller than the average litter of puppies. So it's completely irrelevant to the pet overpopulation problem. It's not a problem that we created or are contributing to. That doesn't mean we aren't concerned about it. It just means we shouldn't be blamed for this. We didn't create it. Um, but we have actually, I feel, probably reduced the population of unwanted dogs and cats by hundreds of times more than we're adding to it simply because of the profile we bring to shelters. Who are our constant critics? Animal shelters. Do they ever get in the news any other way? Pretty rarely. So by giving them this hot-button issue that they can always get in onto the front page of major newspapers and television programs and Internet radio, drawing attention to the plight of animals in shelters, lots of people have gone to shelters, and that's a good thing to get their next pet. That happened because pet cloners have been getting beaten up on the front pages by people that run animal shelters. I don't mind that. It's, it's for the net good. It's for the public, public good. But if you look at it in the big picture, I think the fact that we're having this discussion at all has helped animals in shelters to a much greater degree than we've added to the problem with the few animals we've cloned. Well, tell us a little bit about the Best Friends Again project. And I know also, I think the deadline probably has passed, but you had the Golden Clone giveaway as well. I mean, we talk about this is not, you know, pocket change to do this for your pets. And explain how the the online auction is going to work and the minimum bids and the qualifications. And you, it's not just anybody can get into this. Well, both the um, Best Friends Again auction whereby we're going to clone five dogs to the high bidders in this auction, and also the giveaway where we're going to give one additional cloning slot away to the, a member of the public. Those are both open. They're still open. The auction Great. begins on July 5th and runs for five days. It's actually five separate auctions. And people can learn about the rules and how to register for that at www.bestfriendsagain.com. It describes also the cloning of Missy in addition to the, the auction. And that's also where people can learn about the giveaway, the golden clone giveaway. This is um, partly a lottery and partly um, a competitive contest. A computer will select 200 applicants from all of those we've received. And from those 200, our staff will narrow it down to 10. And then professional judges will choose the final winner from those 10 selections. Um, all that's required to participate in the giveaway is you upload a photo of your pet, you submit a short essay, 500 words, less, less than a page, and answer a few questions, and that's it. That's wonderful, because I know for the auction, I think the starting bid is $100,000? Yeah, that's the start. 
And this isn't just um, you know money that people are putting in their pocket. This is not an inexpensive procedure. I mean, you're partnering with this firm in uh, South Korea, and it costs funds to do this type of work. Well, we don't actually break even at a hundred thousand. That's where we're starting the bid, but just it's a nice round number. But and we're committed to doing five, whether we break even or not. But far from gouging people, um, it's like offering a Ferrari for a hundred thousand. On the one hand, that's a lot of money, but when you dig into the costs that go into making it, there's a reason why Ferraris cost considerably more than that. If they offered one at a hundred thousand, they wouldn't make any money. Um, we're committed to doing it, no matter what the price lands at. Well, how how much does it actually cost to clone a dog? Well, that it depends how fully loaded you you make that cost, how much of the marketing expenses and overhead of the operation. In other words, do you look just at the cost of producing that one dog in the lab, or do you look at the proportional cost of running the whole operation? So, it can be anywhere from I would say one fifty to twice that. Wow. Okay. I think I need to look into the uh, golden clone giveaway (laughs) until my producers give me a raise anyway. So we are. There you go. We are out of time. And I would like to thank my guest, Lou Hawthorne, and the producers for making Pet Peeves possible. Tune in next week for Pet Peeves on Pet Life Radio to hear more about what hisses you off. Email me suggestions or post a note to my blog by dialing up PetLifeRadio.com and clicking on the Pet Peeves logo. You can get transcripts that way, too. Woofs and wags until next time. Now, not everyone can afford to clone their pets or would want to. Those who choose this route may indeed be pioneers in furry love, and certainly the science holds great promise for animals and humans alike. In the meantime... Cherish your dogs and cats while you can and while you have them. They won't be here forever. And besides, you don't want them to get peeved. That's it. You're madder than a junkyard dog and you're not going to take it anymore. Your feathers are ruffled, your dander is up, and you've got a definite bone to pick. Join us each week on Pet Peeves, the show that lets you dig through the dirt and unleash your passion for pets. Your host, pet expert and award-winning author, Amy Shojai, will talk about what makes you howl and what hisses you off. Pet Peeves, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.